Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 262 on Tuesday, the 18th of June, 2019. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And in a week where I wish I hadn't written the draft show notes earlier, we'll be talking about recalls, both voluntary and considered. We'll also be chatting about Scotland's approach to EVs. And we learn that Zed is most definitely not dead in Bradford. But first, on with the news. I totally don't understand that last one, but never mind. I'm sure I'm sure I'll realize later on. There's no follow up. So the first piece of news is really it was something that I picked up earlier in the week. And I'm I'm and eyeing a lot about this because I don't really know how to cover it and talk about it because I expected it to get more coverage between the time that I picked up on the story and wrote my stuff up. And then now, which bit are you thinking was going to get more coverage? What it is claimed the news item is or the reality? Yes, those. Okay, do you want to tell everybody what it's about first, Alan? So, the, yes, it's all about, there was, so there was an explosion at a hydrogen refueling, it says hydrogen refueling station, because I'm reading the horrible article that I, that I spotted first, which is from a very, very pure EV biased website. And I read this article about the hydrogen station at Sandvika in Norway having an explosion and a fire. And, it's one of those times when you know when you read something and you think that's a little bit smelly given its uh, its source and stuff. So I thought it would be picked up and what I wanted to do was make sure that we covered it in a balanced manner. It generally wasn't particularly picked up, uh, which makes me feel slightly bad about pestering PRs about it, but I didn't know that at the time. So yes, there was an explosion at a hydrogen station in Norway it was very fresh in my mind because probably at the time it happened, actually, I was I was talking about hydrogen with yeah one of the manufacturers here in the UK. The story goes on and it goes through quite a lot of stuff about the, the explosion and things being set off and airbags being set off and, and how awful it was. Uh, and, it's, of course, it's one of the American EV websites, so it's a horrible amount of propaganda uh, really on there. One of the things they're saying is that uh, Toyota and Hyundai have completely stopped sales of the Mirai and the iX35 uh, fuel cell. All sorts of other bits and pieces about the, the size of the blast and, and the explosion. Quote, unquote, the explosion was huge. Which is all a bit strange because what I, I then did was I, I actually went and did some proper journalism. So this is one of these ones where I've actually gone off and, and done some sniffing rather than our usual sort of reporting on other people's views. Because I, I would hope to balance this up with, with reports on it from other places. We're making this a dangerous precedence now. This, we, we seem to be doing this more well, and more regularly. I was at home and I looked at it and as I say, it just smelled bad. So for the 10 minutes it took me to rattle off two emails, one to Hyundai, one to Toyota, and then a follow-up one to ITG Power, that's a manufacturer here in the UK, um, a sort of manufacturer and of hydrogen refueling equipment and I think management and ownership company of, of some of the, the refueling stations here in the UK. It was just worth checking. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of things about this stop about how that uh, was handled. One thing that's really worth mentioning is that 12 hydrogen fueling stations here in the UK, none of them use the same technology or any of the parts that were used in this one in Norway. So just to be clear, here in the UK, the hydrogen the hydrogen uh, refueling stations are totally, well, they are complete, it's completely the right word. There are no shared parts between the two of them in any way, shape or form. So if this is a part failure, then there shouldn't be any of these issues. However, 
obviously the manufacturers of these are, are keeping an eye, an eye on that. I'm just trying to find the right statement here. The ITM Power, I said ITG, I'm so sorry. So they can confirm, and this is from their statement, ITM Power can confirm that our stations do not use NEL technology. So that's people that ran the, the Norwegian one and remain open. There were also some other statements in some of the some of the reporting in the story, uh, which went on to say that the Toyota and Hyundai had, had completely ceased sales of fuel cell vehicles. Again, not true according to Hyundai and Toyota. They say they've, they've ceased deliveries in Norway right at the moment, and that's mostly because because the Norwegian stations are all closed whilst they investigate what well, the probable cause of this and the reason they're not they're not making any available is because there's no way to refuel them. However, anyone who has ordered a hydrogen vehicle, certainly from Toyota, pointed out that anybody who has ordered a hydrogen vehicle or who's having trouble refueling a hydrogen vehicle will be loaned a replacement vehicle free of charge in the meantime. I like how so many people jumped up and down about, look at all the billowing smoke. Well, that's the thing. So let's let's talk a little bit about hydrogen stations as well. The majority of hydrogen stations, both in Norway and also here in the UK, but not, not all of them here in the UK, uh, don't actually have trucks delivering loads of hydrogen to them. So they don't, there are very few where a truck rolls up and goes and empties a whole load of hydrogen from the truck into the tanks at the station. An exception to that is the one at Heathrow, by the way. So the one at Heathrow is just a storage facility for hydrogen that then you put it into the car. And if one of the things I failed to do the other day because I've, I've spent time in the fuel cell, hydrogen fuel cell car before, is I didn't get a chance to sort of record partly because, to be honest, the weather was so horrible. The only sound we would have captured is that of rain to just show that all the checks and the way and, and talk through what's happening when a hydrogen vehicle re refuels because of the numbers of checks and balances in there. But the point I was trying to make before I got so terribly distracted by myself was that most of the stations actually generate their own hydrogen. So there's some in the UK here where there are big wind turbines right beside it and that wind turbine basically all the energy from that uh, goes into the electrolysis of water which 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 then cracks the hydrogen and the oxygen away from each other the alternative to that as i say here in in the uk is that what happens is the overnight to use up some of the energy trough then they use uh, green tariffs so e electricity from renewables feeding into them uh, to then sort of recharge their tanks uh, as they go along so they can so they can generate hydrogen to refill themselves overnight. And all of the production happens locally. Yeah. There's a reason for me explaining this is that those of us who did all sorts of advanced chemistry, like GCSE, will remember that hydrogen burns with a squeaky pop. Do you remember you had to hold the test tube upside down, hold the splint? Maybe you probably can't do this in skills anymore. Hold the splint to the bottom and it went pop. Only a bit squeakier than that and a bit more poppy than that. And then there was obviously massive billowing grey, blacks. Well, it's absolutely clean. Absolutely exactly. clean. Exactly. So there's a video in the, I might as well say it's inside EVs, which is just horrible. It's like electric, but it's second tier. It's not even as yeah. knobby we as We will electric. never, ever refer to their articles for a news item as in, yeah, look at this bit that is uh, giving you information because it's, mm. it's, garbage it's it's hugely biased I, I only spotted it because it came up on my twitter feed it's not somewhere that I, I go and i just saw the headline and thought that looks a bit sniffy so there's a yes so there's a video in there that's been taken by by someone you know by a passerby in their car 
discuss. And it's all the, the, and there is black billowing smoke. So it is quite possible that what actually happened here was nothing to do with the hydrogen side. It was, you know, those other mechanisms there, those, those other high current and high voltage mechanisms there. It's quite possible that a transformer or something went fut. That's what it looked like to me in the video that it was definitely not hydrogen on fire. Uh, there were other reports that said that there was, you know, was blasts and airbags went off in cars and all sorts of stuff. Something that was pointed out to me by, by someone is that in the background, the buildings just beside the station are all glass and the, none of the glass was damaged in any of that. Yeah. Neither were any of the vehicles nearby. So that really it's the, there is something quite, uh, it's been exaggerated Inaccurate. somewhere along the line. Yes. I yes. think we can safely say inaccurate. Yes. Uh, Toyota were very quick to point out that none of their vehicles were involved in this in any way, shape, or form. Hyundai wasn't, but possibly because they hadn't thought of it, uh, as far as they're aware. It's, it's, uh, as far as I was told, there were no, none of their vehicles either, but it's not in part of the official statement. I think one of the best things about this is the way that whenever there's a fire of an electric vehicle, of which mm. there aren't massive amounts. To be to be fair, there are not massive no, are. amounts. All these EV sites get very, very uppity about people reporting. Well, they do anything. This is the first incident in Western Europe, Northwestern Europe, that has been reported where there has been an issue with a fuel center. Yeah, not even a car, but a fuel center, and. Look at them leap on it like vultures on a dead body. It's fantastic. There was something that happened in Germany not hugely long ago, but I can't remember the details of it. And there was one, there was an explosion or a fire at one in South Korea as well. There endeth the long, tedious litany of, of hydrogen refueling station issues uh, yeah. so far. And I believe all of those have been different technologies, all of them different from the UK. Uh, there are only 12 in the UK at, at the moment, and many more in Germany. So it'll be interesting uh see what happens. I was expecting people to, I was expecting that to be waved around a bit more, but it wasn't. So I, I feel like I've overdone it now. I think when, because I saw a few people pointing out online going, yeah, if it's hydrogen, there wouldn't be any smoke. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people sort of started trying to forget that they'd posted anything about it, I think is what went on. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. It was very fresh in my mind at the time, uh, just when it happened. And, and that's why what I'd heard the day before didn't seem to tally at all with that. But uh, there'll be a longer special edition. We have a little bit of recording to do, uh, but there'll be a longer special edition uh, all about hydrogen fuel cell stuff coming, hopefully before very long. Although given the way that some of our other recordings are being jinxed right at the minute, it could be recorded somewhere in some, sometime about September. <laughs> right, moving on. And yes. there are a couple of recall articles which I'll cover now. The first is that Jaguar has confirmed that they are voluntarily recalling the iPace that was built between 2018 and early 2019 because there could be a potential risk of extended braking uh, distances because there has there might be a fault with the electrical regenerative braking system. Mm -hmm. This will be handled by Jaguar for free. Uh, and it just requires a update to the software for the braking system. That sounds similar to what happened to a very early Model 3s, only there wasn't a recall, was there, and it was deemed to be a feature? Yeah, well, Tesla don't do recalls, do they? Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry. 
I mean, Jaguar could just fix it over, just give it an over the over the air software update to the braking system. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't bite. So, if you've got an iPace, prepare to be called if you haven't been contacted already. And the second one, I'm a bit more interested in this one. Last week, Audi voluntarily recalled their e-trons in the US because there is a potential fire risk with moisture. If moisture gets in near the battery area, there is a wiring grommet between the charging point and the battery, which could, could which then could cause a fire risk. Oh, but nothing has happened. There have been no incidents at all. This is purely precautionary, yeah. Yeah, yeah they found this themselves and have said, we're going to recall these to make sure this doesn't happen because there is the risk that it could happen. But what I'm a bit confused at is that Audi is in talks in Europe about recalling. So I, I'm not sure what the talks... I presume it's along the lines of, look, we're prepared to make this a voluntary one that we're going to do. And the authorities must be just double-checking they are going to do it. Is the only thing I can think of? Possibly. Now, reading through further through that, that article, that uh, the five e-tron, is it e-tron or e-trons? Auto News Europe is saying e-trons, where the vehicle has has had an indicator war, uh, as a warning indicator come up, although there's been no fires, no injuries or anything. Yeah, It may well be that, of course, it, it could be a different part. It could be a slightly different configuration uh, for Europe from, than from the US because that kind of thing happens. Although you always think it's completely anathema for, for a car manufacturer to, to make that kind of regional variation. It, it does happen in a, on occasion and that might be one of them. Yeah, in, in that sort of part though, it would be quite odd, wouldn't it? Well, not necessarily if you think about it because the charger... Uh, oh, am I about to say something sensible or something rubbish? I was going to say, and I'm not sure if this is right or not. Uh, that, no, no. Well, I've just had a massive surge of doubt. Answers on a postcard, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, well, quite. Is, of course, the, the, the American electrical system, and it's probably more likely to be the frequency of 50 hertz instead of 60 hertz, uh, is different, and that may affect how the charging setup works and therefore feeding to the battery. And that part of the vehicle then might be different componentry. Uh, and different different grommets and seals okay. as a result of that. So, so I was going to say it might be the voltage, but then of course the we're driving the change. But then of course it's the, at least two twenty volt in the US feeding in, and it could be CCS charges and all that kind of stuff exists. So they should all be the same spec. <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't know. I've never thought about. It. I've never thought about it before. But I imagine it's the same if you're putting that kind of thing in. I would presume you'd want to do that anyway. Ones. Um, because this this is on the back of this is news out uh, today or yesterday I think that China is now going to introduce some safety checks on electric vehicles because of a couple of fires they've had over there. Mm. I think it, there was obviously the very famous Tesla one in the car park, of which we get no context of. It, we just see it's on fire. It, it catches fire, so we don't know what's happened beforehand. Yeah, that could have been fiddled with. All sorts of things could have happened to that. So to to say that Tesla, to use that as an example, that Tesla's catch fire, I think is unfair. It's not not a yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, not something not we would do. But I think uh, there is another car which I can't remember the name of has caught fire as well in China. So there, there are there is now China is now going to introduce safety checks. For Th- those are the ones that have reached the headlines over here in North America and Western Europe. Of course, China has so many fledgling EV manufacturers. Mm. I guess they don't want that kind of thing happening. 
No, absolutely. And and on uh, just a final, as this seems to be EV corner, and on a final, final, final front of that, we have now in our town had installed three polar chargers on the public road, or not actually on the road, but in public charging <laughs> bays. Sorry, in public Hooray. charging bays, and they're only around the corner from me. It's even better. <laughs> I mean, literally a two-minute walk. <laughs> Fantastic. Are any of them uh, superchargers or not uh, superchargers? Ah, uh, ultra chargers. Sorry. They are small bollard type ones, so I don't know what that means. Oh, right. Okay. I haven't had a yes. chance to stop and look and things, they- but I presume they're going to come out and paint the parking bays near them mm. because that's going to be a shock for the people who've been parking there up to now. Yeah, yeah. There might be a little bit of icing going on. Yeah. So that's great that it's, I mean, that's part of the um, BP Charge Masters mm-hmm. uh, work with Lancashire Council. On do, installing public charging. Can I do the the Jalopnik style full disclosure? Of course, whenever we test uh, whenever we test EVs uh, here on the Motoring Podcast, we are supported in our charging by um, BP Chargemaster. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: they work, so we're very happy to be supported by them. Yes, that was that was a lucky break, wasn't it? <laughs> Right. Well, we're, we're still in EV corner, but I'm going to pass it over to our Scottish correspondent. You, you've passed it over to me, and I haven't actually got the uh, the complete article open in front of me right at the moment because I forgot that I had to click further into this story. The story is from Company Car Today. And friend of the show, Daniel Pudicombe. And friend of the show, Daniel Pudicombe. Scotland leads the way in fleet move to EVs is the, is the headline, and you'll never guess what it's all about. It's all about Scotland leading the way uh, in EV fleets. Well, there's a reason for that. I mean, okay. There is a reason for it. I was going to go into actually yeah. how they're doing it, but you're welcome to take over if you like. Well, what I was, I was going to say is Whitehall have decreed that 2040, uh, you cannot buy a traditional internal combustion engine vehicle. Mm-hmm. Scotland has gone, no, we're saying 2032. However, Scotland have backed this up by actually putting money to, to one side to help support mm-hmm businesses to make the move over as quickly as they can. They have uh, allocated budgets, of which there is a a nice table of how that has increased since 2011-2012 of £210,000. It's increased uh, increased 100-fold from 2011-2012 up to the projected amounts for financial year 2018-2019. Yeah. The loans that a company can get, interest-free, by the way, repayable over six years, uh, a business mm-hmm. can get up to £120,000, but they are limiting it to £35,000 per vehicle. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. But what's interesting about that loan is that it has to be used in one chunk. You can't sort of drip feed it off. You can't store it up and then feed it off if you're leasing. But you can use it for the down payment for a lease so that it reduces the monthly cost. Mm. to the end user. So as long as you spend spend it all in one lump sum. What's also interesting about this is how they don't seem to be going for a one-size-fits-all, just fill in your application and you're done. They actually want to speak to you before you fill in the application to find out what it is you're trying to do and what how best you can do it. So yeah. there is advice coming there as well about how you can make the most of it because they don't want it to just be a couple of lump sums for the directors to buy... Whatever electric vehicle beginning with T or J or J, uh, yeah, it's it's to help spread it across the fleet so that you can best so that they can best lower the CO two emissions of the fleet 
uh, as a whole. Also interesting is the fact that it covers black cabs yep. or hackney carriages. You can get a loan of up to £120,000 to replace a, a cab with a new plug-in hybrid model or or any other Euro 6 compliant vehicle. Obviously, the amount of loan, depending on the amount of taxiness. That seems like a lot more money, but of course the impact, given the mileage that these things do and where they do that mileage in the inner cities, then surely that's money better spent. Yep. So per cab makes a much bigger difference to air quality uh, than than even than than even a, a a small sort of delivery van somewhere in the Hebrides. So I think that's really interesting. I think it's very good. It's a it's a nice it's a nice sort of one pager of analysis in there. Uh, there's lots of stuff, lots of nerdy numbers to back it up. Uh, it's it's good. Yep, I like it. I, and I like what they're doing. I like it. Mm-hmm. again. I mean, cracky. This will be what second, third week on the trot that we are complimenting. I've got to be nice to Nicola Sturgeon. That no, 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 no. We're not saying that at all. All right, well, that's right then. Whew. But someone in there has thought this through, or appears to have. Yeah, no, it does seem to have been well considered. Yeah. Right, talking of things that are perhaps uh, not quite as well considered, but might be might be the transport committee from the house of commons has been asking for comments on the suggestion of banning all pavement parking in the world that would be england wales wouldn't it it would be yes uh, England. we've talked about this when this idea first cropped its ugly head uh, above the parapet and uh, there are other phrases i can mash together there but this is there is no way that there's a one size fits all solution for this. No. Because it depends on a lot of things, including the width of pavement compared to the amount of traffic the pavement receives. Well, uh, I think before we even get absolute, to that. But, but, sorry, can I say that absolutely if this blocks uh disabled access, access by, you know, people with baby buggies and stuff, then that is not good parking and it should not happen. Yeah, but we've already got laws in place to deal with it. Yeah, that. we do. We so do. This is fixing a problem with a with a new law that doesn't fix the core problem, which is people aren't going around and checking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is the problem, is people aren't going around and going, that is bad parking, ticket or clamped or actually put on the back of a lorry and taken away to mm-hmm. a pound and you have to spend a lot of money to get it back and say sorry a lot. Mm-hmm. For example, round where I live, if the car's parked on the roads – rather than the double-width pavements we have, particularly on our street, mm-hmm. or half-on, half-off, nothing could get up and down apart from a bike could get up and down the roads. Yeah. It's not like we've got drives everywhere where you can park a car in, because we don't. They're effectively an enlarged path. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. not They're not big enough. So uh, the in, uh, the IAM RoadSmart has been speaking to the Transport Committee and saying, look, hang on. We understand in localised areas there will be problems, but they should be local solutions. It doesn't necessarily, just because this is a problem in North London, does not necessarily mean that there needs to be a national crackdown. Mm. It's It's very simple. Just have more people to get, more people out there enforcing the laws that already exist. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Simple. There we go. Have we just... We fixed parking. I I I, well, yes, again, and I think on that, on that, we need to have a bit of a break now. Because we've well, yes, before we move on to Middle Eastern peace, yes. um, I should remind people that that is Guilt Minute. It, it is the point in the show where we remind you to think about and consider what the motoring podcast is worth to you. If you feel 
our wittering is worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patreon button right there on the front page. If you're already a patron, then thank you so very much. Of course, not everybody has the ability to do this, so please don't forget to like, rate, and leave feedback via the podcast player of your choice. If you've done all of that, then you are absolutely wonderful. It has about costing a mate who you think, hope, uh, will enjoy this and telling them all about us. If you don't actually subscribe to the show uh, using a podcast player of some description, then how's about doing so uh, absolutely for free? There are good podcast players available for free for all different platforms. If you're not sure about that, then give us a shout uh, to see if we can help. But uh, yeah, it's worth it to make sure we don't we come to you without the anxiety and worry that you may miss out on the next show. Uh, there's also something else which is we did for the SMMT special edition that came out over the weekend uh, in the end because it was a massive editing. Um, then uh, that was mass M A S S. I said. Uh, then, then uh, we've found new and interesting ways to actually get some visual entertainment and stimulus to you, so that we can actually show you the points that we're making point on. Um, and we may well be trying to roll that out for special editions in the future. Yep. Multimedia us, huh? Yeah, no, I'd like to hear some feedback on that and whether it added anything for you. Uh, it's not really practical for the new shows. Well, not, not the full visual one, maybe the chapters, but not the full visual one. We'd like to know whether you think it was worth it, whether it helped, uh, what ways it could be improved. That was mm-hmm. very much the beta of beta testing of that idea yes yes it was it was it was a it was a beta test of that the idea being that maybe when we're talking about when we're doing normal special editions then we might be able to normal special editions (laughs) that's not an oxymoron (laughs) then we'd be able to actually show if we're talking about the interior then we'll be able to show a picture of the interior if we're talking about a specific feature we might be able to show you a picture of that through your podcast player which we think would be kind of cool yeah Absolutely. It was just as an addition rather than it definitely doesn't take over. Otherwise, we'd do YouTube like bajillions of others. Mm. Anyway, Formula E. Lots of Formula E news this week because it's coming to the very end of the season. Yeah, there was, a, there was a lot. As ever, though, we need to just say there will be a link in the show notes. I know this is Alan's item, but I'm just going to say this. There's a link in the show notes to the how to watch uh, and when to watch the Formula E this uh, Saturday. Out of interest, though, why I'm making a point of speaking about this one, it's not on anything to do with the BBC or Quest or Eurosport until the actual race. So the practices and qualifying, you can only catch on practices on Facebook, practices and qualifying and the race on YouTube, and practices on BT Sport 2 and the qualifying in the race on BT Sport ESPN. Uh, and that's because there's 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 lots of other motorsport this weekend as well. Yeah. Well, so now we've done that bit. It's worth so burn Epre coming up this weekend. There's your link. Uh, naturally, I'll be missing it by a day because I arrive in Burn on Monday. It's a skill, isn't it? <laughs> so near and yet so far. We can give you the after after notebook. Yes. <laughs> Uh, here's a tour of the track. Now it's been turned back into streets again. Uh, that'll be yeah. thrilling. And yes, now it's been turned back into streets again and after the race has taken place, because that's what you need. Um, 
Yeah, as I say, it's a skill. I can just imagine how narrow this was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there were Swiss people everywhere. Uh, a car drove down this street. <laughs> yes, that's basically how it would go. God, we're good at this. Right. Anyway, meanwhile, other news. Next year, the 2019-2020 calendar has been revealed, uh, involving London, as we've covered before, and Seoul, mm. which is kind of cool, uh, as well as Porsche and Mercedes as pr- proper, inverted commas, fully-fledged manufacturer teams. Lots and lots of stuff to come. I love the way that for London they show a picture of Big Ben, Westminster Bridge, when we all know it's going to be happening out at the XL. Yeah. But there's a couple of um, TBCs, aren't there? There is a TBC for China. And then there's a TBC, TBC. TBC for TBC. <laughs> well, we don't even know the country. <laughs> exactly. So, so the season starts with a double... I know, and it's the third one in. The season starts with a double header in Saudi Arabia on the 22nd and 23rd of November. Which is about a month earlier, isn't it? It is, because the last year that was in that was in December, which is where the TBC, TBC is for 14th December. Uh, then there's Santiago in Chile, Mexico City in Mexico, funnily enough, Hong Kong in China, TBC in China, Roma in Italy, Paris in France, Seoul in South Korea, which is subject to circuit homologation. That basically means we've not used a circuit before. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because Santiago is as well. I thought they'd used that before. And then weren't they by the beach? I can't remember. I could be wrong. I could be getting myself mixed up with another South American country. Mm. Paris and France, Seoul, Berlin, of course. New York, New York is a single header. And then the season will finish off in the 25th and 26th of July uh, next year with a double header in London. Yep. Fantastic. It's cool. It's good. Pleased. Yep. Yep. Some quality cities in there, if you know what I mean. Mm. But we have some problems with that calendar, Alan. Uh, well, yes, because there are three... Crashes, stroke, clashes. Well, it's e, so it's, no, it's Formula E, so it'll be a crash <laughs> with with some others. So, so well, for example, to to stop some of these, uh, World Endurance uh, Championship will run on May the set on Saturday, May the second. Where Formula E will have a Sunday race in South Korea instead of a Saturday, because normally it's a Saturday unless it's a double header. So there's that Seoul and the six hours of Spa are a clash as well. There's the Bahrain in December, eight hours of Bahrain, and there's the, oh, okay. there's the 12 hours of Sebring in March. Right, now, what I found particularly um, hilarious stroke ridiculous is um, FIA President John Todd was asked about all this. <laughs> said there was... This was due to misunderstandings and difficulties. I think the misunderstandings and difficulties were that the appointed calendar committee, who are supposed to oversee uh, that there aren't these clashes, didn't meet to discuss the calendars. That is something of a challenge, isn't it? Oh, That would would cause a a misunderstanding and a difficulty. Yes, it's going to cause a misunderstanding and a difficulty with their bank managers when they don't get paid for said committees, I would hope. That's unlikely to happen, is it? (laughs) That's just ridiculous. That The committee that get together to talk about the calendars didn't get together to talk about the calendars, but just that's... Shocking, well, that's actually. big business, isn't it? It's not it really is. that shocking. I can completely un- believe that it happens. Oh, I believe it happens. I am terrible it, and it cynical. Should it? No, it shouldn't happen. You're right. There, we fixed FIA as well. 
People people in committees go to the meetings that their committee should be going to. We'll fix the FIA. No, it's going to take more than that to fix the FIA. Unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> right. Hyundai, rather good rally in Sardinia, I believe. They did. But it wasn't well. It was looking okay right up until the last, the very last stage. Ot Tanek had done a fantastic job of leading the rally, considering he was in a really grim road cleaning position on in the order again. Mm. So it just goes to show how good he is and how good that car is. But he got a steering glitch, which also hit his his colleague. <laughs> That's really funny because I can't find it either. Oh, I would say it was Yari Mati Latvala. Yeah, it is Latvala. Anymore, is it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Apologies, everyone. Yes, it was Latvala. Of which Toyota think that it is a parts batch issue because it was the same problem and both the steering mechanisms, parts, came from the same mm-hmm. batch in sealed bags. So Ow. they think there was an issue there in manufacturing mm-hmm. somehow. So they'll get to the bottom of that when they get back to their base in Estonia, which I didn't realise their base was in Estonia. Yes, I've told you that before. Well, you probably have, but I don't listen to you most of the time. so uh. That's understandable. So that meant that Danny Sordo won his second ever WRC event in 150-odd attempts. Uh, he Ooh. was very shocked because as he rolled up at the timing gate, it, there was a message came in his car said, you've won. And he's like, no, because I'm 30-odd seconds behind Tanek. So, you know, no, I haven't. And by the time they then drove around to the podium section everyone was jumping up and down and he realized oh that's true but it, to be fair yeah. to him he makes a lot of points of saying that he really feels for Tanek because that's got to be heartbreaking he ended up a minute and a half behind yeah so he ended up fifth yes he's still however head of the driver standings in the championship but only by four points at the minute over Ogier yeah. and then Neuville's just another three points behind that yeah Ogier crashed and ruined his uh, his suspension stroke chassis on day one Mm. so that was him out of anything competitive so he was then just trying to pick up points in special stages of which he did pick up a few nouveau there was a a misunderstanding over pace notes or how that's that's how it's being described and he went off road for about 30 seconds and uh, in this article it seems to hint that he never had the fight in him again after that Mm mm-hmm so he he ended up was he, I think he was uh, sixth overall something like yes, that. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. He came in sixth. But nice to see Alvin Evans. Sorry, nice to see Alvin Evans up in fourth, and yeah. uh, Timo Sunanen up in second for yes for uh, the Ford Fiesta WRC as well. So two yeah. two spots in the top five for them. Yeah, but it was a race to forget for Citroen. Meek didn't have a great race either. Um, he he was never on the pace at all, all weekend for yeah, some so, reason. I mean, Lappy was seventh, and that was the highest, highest finisher, really. Yeah. I, I noticed also that the FIA has delayed the announcement of the 2020 WRC calendar. It's possibly because they're trying to force the committee to meet, I would imagine. Yes, probably. But also on that front, it was announced this week that from 2022, WRC will be going hybrid. Yes. You know how it's really hard on the cars now with the technology that it has now? <laughs> Just throw in some extra technology and say, just cope with it all. Yeah, and, and this is, but this is a point where where I, I one would imagine that that Toyota will be rubbing their hands with glee at this at this one, given how much experience they have in hybrid technology. 
mm. and the bajillions of miles that have been driven. But I, I think those that amalgamation will be particularly hard on the likes of M Sport, who are I think so too the baby yes. team there anyway, and are really punching above their weight as it is. Mm-hmm. But this just adds that extra cost and dimension that I hope it doesn't make them pull out. Uh, me too. Me too. Absolutely. Right. The story that I hadn't followed because I didn't realise somebody had sneaked in at the last second because we did a lot of rejigging at the very last second tonight is about a chaps in Bradford who are updating. What's it updating? I was almost going to say resto modding. modding and I don't know. Is it actually resto modding, do you think? Yeah, I think it is. The Nissan Z cars, so the specifically the, the sort of 240Zs, those are just wonderful classic classic uh datsun shape uh and and just they're just stunning it's it's mzr road sports by the way uh, yeah. and there's a beautiful beautiful gallery pictures by now mark i'm never sure how to pronounce your surname i don't know if it's Riccioni, uh there who are just great photos of really really cool cars well i recommend everyone looks at page eight of nine because that is some filth. I don't know. Seven is quite lovely too, though. It's all yes. lovely. So it's 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 a Top Gear article. It's it is all lovely actually. It's a Top Gear article. It's clicky through. It's written by Tom Ford. I was going to say words by Tom Ford. It's it's really cool. I love I love that interior. I love the stripe gear knob. It just looks such a wonderful. A wonderful attention to detail, and you can bet that whatever it is, whatever you get them to do with this straight six from two point nine to three point one liters, then it will be rarer than yeah. than any Porsche retro mod you you happen to see or think. I I think that's great. I love when companies do a a really good resto mod. You know the obviously the top end of that mm-hmm. Singer's an icon. Singer with the Porsches and uh, icon with the all-wheel drive stuff in America, they're just stunning vehicles that so much time goes into. And these look mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous and more power to them. And I hope people go and buy cars off them because I want more of this, please. Yes. Yeah, so I was having a quick moment there about who had who designed the 240Z and I wasn't expecting it to come up with, with Yutaka Katayama, according to Wikipedia. Uh, Petrolicious is crediting the German Albrecht Goetz uh, which is actually who I thought it was. I just cannot remember what else he designed. I knew it was someone who was quite famous uh, and European, to, to my mind, but I'm not sure. We can decide which of those is, is correct. I don't care because it just looks great and it did such a fantastic job. Really well spotted, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that one. like that one a lot. Right, list of the week. And this is one that you spotted, Alan, but it is. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we should really swap those two around, shouldn't we? <laughs> Yeah. And this is Come from on. Influx magazine. And it's it's titled The Rules. These are the rules. Feel free to refer back to them and direct anyone to them who inadvertently breaks one. So they've set out some guidelines that drivers really need to stick to. I'm not gonna cover I'm not gonna run through it all because you need to read them. They are they are very good. I mean there's a hundred of them. Okay. Well, number one is very important. He's not going to do all of them, trust no. me. Number one is very important. Everyone is allowed to have their own opinion on your car. And number two is equally mm-hmm. important. Rule one should not affect what you do with your own car. All the following rules, however, must apply. <laughs> so there's some crackers in here. Uh, moving past the ones about car eyebrows, just all sorts of all sorts of really good stuff. 
Left-hand drive cars add chic, not inconvenience your cooler for being non-conformist. Uh, driving gloves are only allowed when driving convertible European cars which have been built between 1950 and 1975. <laughs> you must not admit you do not know what to do when you go to a scrapyard with a friend. There are some that I would query. Oh, cars with yellow headlamp lenses are cooler than a shirtless Steve McQueen in Antarctica. I like that one. That one's good. The one I don't like is number 55. <laughs> just just for your knowledge, ladies and gentlemen, just drink before you read it. Just You'll need to drink. There's a hint for you. It, no, it's great. And I think they're, they're brilliant and they're interesting. You're not a motoring enthusiast until you've played and lost Fuel Light Bingo. I have done that. A 76. Predicted fuel range should always be beaten. Mm, oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, as with, as with, you've always got to shave time off uh, the one about shaving time off, off the sat nav. Um, yeah. But then it, it bounces the other way. Speed does not equal driving skill. Pushing a throttle pedal down further than you should does not make you good at driving. Anyone can do that. And last but not least, you must not moan about traffic if you're a part of it. Number 98, though, Alan. I like 98. I'm not reading it out. People can read it themselves, but I like 98. Read it yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've made that one. <laughs> Just quickly, because there are many people who have contributed to this, uh, many of whom we think are nice people. So I'm going to name them all. So this is going to be the list of the week. <laughs> the people who wrote the list of the week are the list of the week. So Chris, not too grand, Pollitt, Damien Cross, Danny Bagnell, David Milloy, Jess Shanahan, The Johnny Edge, Matt Ware, Neil M. Briscoe, uh, Neil Starr, Rich Gooding, uh, Ross Ringham, and Tim Barnes-Clay. Uh, well done for all your contribution in there, because I haven't found a duff one amongst them, uh, apart from number 56, 55. Yeah, I think they only put that in there to just upset you. It's quite possible. And just remember number 23, no comic sounds on anything. Not even in irony. So, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I had a good chocolate that over lunch one day last week. Really good. Yep, it's a good list, that. Which brings us to the, speaking of lunch, brings us to the and finally. And this one is completely Andrew's fault. Because uh, if you've listened to the SMMT Day Special Edition, he starts interrogating me on steering feel from the current 992. Are we on 992 or 993? The current generation put 911 Carrera 4S, and I'm getting interrogated on steering feel. And then tonight, whilst eating my dinner, I came across this fantastic, this fantastic new article in the Hooniverse called "In Search of Steering Feel: Finding It on a Plate," and it is just the most. It's one of the most ridiculous pieces of motoring writing I have read in a while, in a good way. Uh, it's absolutely genius. But it goes through and describes steering feel and what's good and what's important by relating it to a burger from Foxner's Burger Joint in Ribshevlats, Bohemia, Slovenia, where it does actually point out that this is absolutely not an advertising plug for them. Uh, it seems busy enough as it is. But please, please do have a read about it because it's it's just the most wonderful description of steering feel and what's important and what isn't uh, in a way that I completely failed to impart during the, the SMMT Day Special Edition. So do have a read. It's absolutely genius. It's absolutely ridiculous. But I completely applaud it. Yeah, that's, that's what the and finally slots for, stuff like that. I mean, to be honest, to put it in there, then it pushed the pogo stick sharing micromobility startup Kangaroo uh, off the lineup. And I also vetoed Chris Grayling's uh, desire to save hedgehogs with a new road sign. Well, I wasn't going to mention him. On that last one, 
on that last one, by the way, in case people do care about that, then go look at motoringresearch.com if you so desire. If you want a pogo stick sharing micromobility startup service, then just get in the sea. We've, we've had enough. We don't need people like you. Was that <laughs> ambiguous enough? Anyway, parish notes this week. The special edition we may have mentioned. <laughs> that was published last Friday, uh, Saturday. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the SMMT is special edition, a, a smorgasbord of, of mini road tests, essentially. It's out and awesome. Go listen, please, people. Uh, also, this coming weekend, I will be at the Nürburgring 24 Hours. Boo. Hiss. Yay. Yay. Actually, just quickly, let me check what the weather forecast is going to be like before I boo or hiss. Snow. Um, uh, it's not snow. I don't think it's snow. What is it? Because I did check. Lots of moisture from drunk German fans throwing beer. So next, uh, Friday, 12% rain up to 18 degrees. Saturday, Saturday, 5% of rain up to 18 degrees. And Sunday, 21 degrees up to 8%. So pleasant. Unfortunately, it's going to be pleasant for you. I'm hoping it's, it, it is pleasant because I'm camping. So there we are. So I'll be there. So I will try and be posting, sharing snippets whilst I'm there and see what I can do about putting together at least one podcast as well. Uh, there should hopefully be a rear view out this Friday as well. Mm-hmm. You have been speaking to people, certainly. So it's as long as yes. it gets through the edit. Yeah. Which is fab. Lots and lots of content coming. And plenty more to record. We have stuff lined up. Do not fret. Yes, we have lots lined up. So anyway, between now and then, uh, you can give us any feedback, share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer, available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please, please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. It really does matter. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people want to, I don't know, dive more into the explanation of steering on the 911 4S Carrera, what's the best way for them to do that? <laughs> they could even ask me about the correct name of the car, of course. But they uh, try. Best way to do that. So, so start off by listening to the SMMT Special Edition. Uh, and then um, interrogate me on Twitter, really, where I'm at AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, all of which was a way of not forgetting to tell you what my Twitter handle is. We'll be back next week. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.